welcome to the second episode of the RJC podcast, Creating Beautiful. I am Iris van der Vieken, and in this episode, we speak with Susan Jacques, President and CEO of GIA. Established in 1931, GIA is the world's foremost authority on diamonds, colored stones, and pearls. Suzanne has over four decades of experience in the industry, and she's a prominent voice for advancing the values of sustainability and integrity. She received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Women's Jewelry Association in 2010 and was inducted into the National Jewelers Hall of Fame in 1997 and the Omaha Business Hall of Fame in 2013. She's a member of the Jewels of America Ethical Initiatives Committee and the Honorary Chair of the Friends of the Diamond Development Initiative. Suzanne, thank you for joining, and I'm so delighted to have you with us today. Thank you, Iris. I'm so honored and delighted to be here with you today. So thank you for including me, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So Suzanne, you've been in the jewelry industry for over four decades. In your opinion, how has, your, how has the industry really changed in this time, and especially in terms of the relationship towards sustainability? You know what? I, I, I've been blessed with an incredible 40-year career in the gem and jewelry industry. Um, and the industry, thankfully, has continued to evolve and grow and change as needed. Um, it's primarily been driven by the changing consumer desires. And so there has been a fundamental shift across the entire supply chain in the past 40 years, but I think most especially in the past decade. So the mining sector, De Beers played a very different role today than the custodian role that they played for most of the 20th century. Now, today, they're very focused on their De Beers brand, vertical integration of operations, as well as their focus on sustainability and traceability. During those 40 years, Canada became a major diamond source, as well as Southern Africa. And they have focused in recent years on traceability through building Tracer, the new code of origin, Gemfair, and the Okavango uh, eternal. Russia has become a very major producer of diamonds with El Rosa, um, both from their mines in Russia and Africa, and they too are focused on traceability. One of the big things that's happened um, is the Argyle mine, the largest producing diamond mine ever closed in 2020 after almost 40 years, and that has changed both the output of rough in both the quality and the quantity of material and closed the most important reliable source for very rare pink diamonds. Those were some of the very first diamonds that were ever sold with provenance, um, which were focused on their Australian origin. Um, I think the shift in manufacturing to almost all polishing of diamonds is now happening in Surat, India. These huge and dominant family businesses have really created state-of-the-art cutting uh, facilities using technology to maximize their output improve the quality of the, the gemstones they're producing through the cutting, and they're embracing sustainability and traceability as well, and they've created and using technology in all aspects of their business. And I think a huge fundamental shift has also been at retail. So as a retailer for 40 years, 20 years ago, we said diamonds would never be purchased online. No consumer would be going to their computer and, and, and buying diamonds, but the availability of products to consumers whenever and wherever they wish to purchase them has fundamentally changed. And I think we've seen that even more coming out of the pandemic. So this has created a whole new market of jewelry sellers as well. Small individual players, Etsy, uh, designers, 
as well as um, these large e-commerce businesses. So there's also the intense consumer focus in recent years on sustainability for all of their purchases. So consumers are educating themselves before buying, and they want to know where their purchases come from. They want to ensure that everyone in the supply chain benefits from those transactions and that communities thrive where natural resources are found and that the supply chain focuses on responsible sourcing, including in many cases, wanting to know where the gem and metals that they purchase are mined. So I think this is going to continue well into the future as people become more concerned with the impact of humankind on the environment and on this incredibly precious planet, Mother Earth, that we all call home. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. And, and, you know, I've known you for a while, you know, I think about 25 years, I was always looking at what you were doing. And you've always been very inspiring to me, especially because of your activism. I have always seen you step up in panel uh, discussions uh, and really uh, calling it the name and really accelerating that movement of sustainability. So looking ahead, Suzanne, what kind of a sustainability roadmap do you foresee and also wish for? You know, I wake up every single morning grateful to be blessed to live in such a remarkable world. We're surrounded by the beauty and wonder of Mother Nature, and we're fortunate in the gem and jewelry industry to be able to work with some of Mother Nature's most extraordinary treasures. Gemstones, gold, platinum, and the diverse talent of amazing people who craft these gems and metals into exquisite jewelry. Sustainability and traceability are two elements that are crucial for the future success of the global gem and jewelry industry. The RJC has done an exceptional job of highlighting these issues to the industry and ensuring that the key stakeholders, as well as RJC members, are aware of the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, and how these goals provide a roadmap and guide the way for all of us to move forward. So with this focus on sustainability, on transparency and traceability, I think our industry can thrive and succeed in the future and help to transform our world by driving global action on the SDGs. I'm so grateful that RJC has identified their top five SDGs, uh, five gender equality, eight decent work and economic growth, 12 responsible consumption and production, 13 climate action, 17 partnership for the goals. Another one that GIA has added to that and truly think is very vitally important and right in our wheelhouse is the quality education, SDG4. So GIA has identified one of the critical goals um, as this is an area that we believe that we can truly impact the industry. Um, GIA was founded 90 years ago. We're celebrating our 90th birthday this year as an educational institute to bring about professionalism to gem and jewelry. Um, and what we've been able to do is continue to focus intently on this today. It's core to our mission of consumer protection. And we believe that GIA is a, in a unique position together to partner with RJC and other organizations to develop educational materials seminars, uh, courses, trainings on sustainability and traceability, and to help educate the trade, retailers in particular, with ways that they can engage with consumers on these very important but sometimes difficult topics. 
Yeah, Susanna, I love the fact that you touched the role of education, because when we look at the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, it's really about leaving no one behind. And then the key question is, how can we bring every company within the global jewelry supply chain on that journey? So, yes, I also strongly believe that GIA can play a critical role in, in delivering that, uh, that mission. Um, Suzanne, we spoke about really the drive from the consumer. We, 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 we know the need for uh, you know, transparency, for trust, for systems. But in your view, how does technology play a role in fostering a more responsible and sustainable supply chain? And what are you most excited about from the perspective of technology as an enabler? So there is no doubt that technology, especially the ability to quickly share information with confidence, will build greater transparency in the supply chain. That transparency and greater information helps to tell the stories of beautiful gems, natural and laboratory grown, which in turn helps consumers understand the journey of their chosen gem product in a way that they were never able to before. The GIA Diamond Origin Report is one way to accomplish that. And we utilize a, a process of scientifically matching a polished diamond to its original rough. And the Diamond Origin Service illustrates the diamond's journey and shares the positive impact that these stones have had on the communities where they are mined. There's several initiatives in the space, and GI is looking at how best we can support all of these efforts to tell the stories of diamonds, colored stones, and pearls, and ensure that the consumer trust in the products that our industry sells. In 2018, we actually um, devised a new digital grading report, which was secured by blockchain technology, and it was developed by Everledger using the IBM blockchain platform. And we piloted this program with Chao Tai Fook on their TMARC branded diamonds, which received digital grading reports delivered to the TMARC app. And this enables consumers to receive both the diamond grading and diamond traceability information through a single digital platform that is very secure, private, and unalterable. So we continue to see the use of technologies across all sectors of the supply chain, which are fundamentally changing the way that the industry operates in a much more efficient and transparent way, which in the end, truly, ultimately, really benefits the consumer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and it'll be interesting because the, the Beers uh, Insight report that's focused on sustainability is talking about that consumer that is really looking at purpose and really wants to understand the story uh, behind uh, the diamonds. Um, so uh, I'm looking very much forward to, uh, to seeing more, more of those best practices. But Suzanne, when we talk about stories and diamonds, you know, I would love to hear your personal story of your first diamond. You know, I was so fortunate to be a retailer for so many years. And I have to say one of the most amazing gifts given to a retailer is that opportunity to help consumers celebrate the most important milestones in their lives. And probably for, for many, the very first major milestone that involves a diamond is getting engaged, getting married. And um, I was very, very fortunate. My husband and I just celebrated just a few weeks ago our 31st wedding anniversary. We are blessed with three wonderful sons. But really, my very first important diamond was my engagement ring. And uh, we, my husband surprised me um, on a wonderful trip out of town. Uh, 
And I have, am blessed to wear a really magnificent oval, fancy deep yellow diamond. I wanted something different. I didn't want the traditional round solitaire that so many, that I sold so many of to consumers. But really and truly, I, I look at my ring and it is like a ray of sunshine on my finger. It looks, it's the color of a sunflower and it brings me happiness and joy all the time. And I am just so blessed to have had two incredible uh, careers in the gem and jewelry industry, but much more importantly, an amazing family that love and support me each and every day and help me to do what I do. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne. And also congratulations uh, on your wedding anniversary. Uh, that is so lovely to hear. Um, Suzanne, I mean, did you ever think that you would be staying so long in this industry? I think that we're both very passionate about because sometimes I wonder, you know, what was your inspiration, your determination to really pursue a career in the jewelry industry? You know, I was a young girl who loved rocks and shells. I was a, a you know, I'd pick them up, but I just really was fascinated always. Um, and I used to get pocket money on a Friday uh, at lunchtime and I'd go to the store and I would buy myself a little ring. Almost every Friday I bought myself a little ring. Um, and so I had quite the ring collection as a teenager. Um, but I have to tell you, I fell into the industry. Uh, I left high school, didn't know what I wanted to study. My mother insisted I took a secretarial course and I just was so fortunate. The very first job I took was a junior typist at the largest jewelry company back in my home country of Zimbabwe. So I did find that I had a strong passion for gems and for jewelry. And so I decided to come and study at the GIA in Santa Monica 40 years ago, I hate to tell you. Um, and I was so fortunate because it was a life-changing event. My GIA education helped me to find a position at a classmate's family jewelry business in Omaha, Nebraska, Borsheim's, a fabulous retail store. And I was so fortunate to have two incredible mentors there. Alan Friedman, my classmate, and his father, Ike Friedman, um, taught me so much about retailing. The, the importance of client relationships, the importance of how you deal with vendors, representing a trusted brand, and the importance, most importantly, of one's reputation. And so my life plan was to get one year of retail experience and head back to Southern California. And I spent an amazing 31 years at Borsheim's. Uh, fortunately, for 20 of those years, I was the CEO reporting to Warren Buffett, whose company Berkshire Hathaway purchased Borsheim's in 1989. So in 2014, I was fortunate to join GIA as CEO and with my incredible executive team and truly my amazing board of governors, as well as our 3,400 associates around the globe, we've been able to guide our institute to new heights of success and fulfillment of our very important mission, and that is to ensure the public trust in gems and jewelry. So as I mentioned a little earlier, we're celebrating our 90th year at GIA this year, and we continue to focus on the very important work that we do in education, research, laboratory services, and instrument development. And we are there to ensure that we protect consumers each and every day. And that's my passion. I love it. I love what we do. I love the difference we make. And having been a retailer and understanding the importance of those purchases for, with consumers, um, understanding that 
for the first time ever, they're learning that a diamond is a billion years old, um, a treasure brought to the surface through volcanoes. The storytelling opportunities um, fuel my passion, and I love, love the fact that I've been so blessed in this industry. Well, I very much believe uh, that successful leaders are leaders of purpose and are very passionate, Suzanne. And I think, you know, you're the walking example of that. Uh, and I think that brings me also to a topic that you touched upon, you know, how important it is in life, of course, to work hard, to be dedicated, to, to, to be committed. But at the same time, that in your path of growth uh, as a woman, as a man, as a leader, that you that mentorship is very critical. Um, and, uh, and as you know, a topic that's very close to my heart, I think also to your heart is everything concerning gender equality and, and really seeing how collectively we can accelerate that agenda as the G5 in action and how we can work on some of the barriers that bring women, uh, that women challenge, ha women have, sorry, as challenges still today. Um, and I just also wanted to hear your thoughts on how the landscape landscape has changed for women in the industry and how you believe we can collectively help with uh, accelerating that agenda and really deepening cultures in within organizations that um, that empower women. You know, our industry is filled with women um, and many of the consumers are the women uh, who make the decision about the purchases um, or strongly influence those purchases for sure. Um, and thankfully, over time, the landscape has fortunately changed in our industry. And there are more and more women in leadership and entrepreneurial roles in all sectors of the trade, from the mining sector, manufacturing, design, as well as at the retail level. And so when I took the role uh, as CEO of Borsheim's back in 1994, there were very few women in leadership roles within the industry. And for me, I was very fortunate because that actually opened doors for me. There was this push, especially on boards, to get greater gender diversity. Um, and so I, I was fortunate to serve on a number of trade association boards. And in 1996, I joined the GIA board. Um, and it was really an important time, I think, because having female voices in the boardroom helped with the diversity of the conversation, but also truly help people to understand the value of having greater diversity on their boards. And so I was very fortunate uh, to have a very strong and talented team of women who helped me lead at Borsheim's. We had six women and one man on my executive team. Um, most of them are still there and leading the company today. Um, and I'm really proud that at GIA, from a professional to VP and above, as well as our board of governors, we have equal representation of men and women in the roles throughout our organization. Um, protecting the public is our mission, and we strongly believe that we must reflect the public. And so we believe that inclusion and diversity, which go hand in hand, um, make us a stronger organization. And so we're more able to carry out our important mission with a diversity of opinion, and decision-making um, opportunities. So we're working diligently to create pipelines of opportunity for underrepresented communities. And regrettably, most often than not, it's women of color that are impacted at a disproportionate rate. Uh, collectively, we can create opportunities, we believe, through education, scholarships, improving the hiring practices, and making sure that we do 
everything that we do is fostering both in diversity and inclusion, but also equity. And I think that's a very big part of what we're trying to ensure. Uh, we recently did an equity uh, pay study at GIA and, and found that we were very, very compliant, which I was very pleased to see. But I do believe that it's really important that that message continues to be shared throughout the industry, because I think having a multitude of voices um, from various diverse voices is how we're going to be able to move very strongly forward into the future. Yes, and I, I and that's where uh, I think leaders like you are so critical to lead by example, and also uh, when you have so much impact like GIA worldwide, where you again can give that additional push to the to the industry, uh, Suzanne. So I also hope you know that we will continue to be able to work closely also on generation equality, a project that is really important for RJC, where we ask companies just like yours, you know, to look at. Uh, their culture to do assessments baseline on equity, for example, and and look how they can really drive uh, that culture of inclusion. Um, what advice would you give uh, your members on when they would start off in a sustainability journey, uh, Suzanne? What you know? What would be your first uh, uh, recommendations? So I love quotes. Anybody who knows me knows I quote a lot. And one of my favorite quotes is often attributed to Charles Darwin. And it goes, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It is the one most adaptable to change. And so I think as an industry, we have to be open to change. It's imperative and open to establishing sustainability practices and limiting our environmental impact. I think consumer interest and demand continues to increase for companies and for brands that have evolved to meet those standards. And they, if they can show the progress they're making in this space, they will be the fortunate ones who will be able to get the consumer to purchase from them. It can seem so daunting to many who may not be very familiar with sustainability, but they hear a lot about it in the news today. And so another favorite quote of mine is a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And I quote that all the time. My advice is take the single step, move forward, step in the direction because this is our future and we all need to embrace the change and take the steps forward to ensure that the trade that we all love and are so passionate about, we care so much about it, we want it to thrive in the future and to ensure that we have to create the future. And so to ensure our industry's future success, we all need to work together. And I think the sustainability goal, number 17 of partnership, is critical and important. And I do believe we can create the win-win ecosystem where everyone gets to succeed and benefit, never at the cost of others, and that no one is left behind. So I would encourage your members to educate themselves. As a former retailer, customers come to you because they trust you and they trust your brand and what you stand for and the quality of the products that you sell. So to ensure that continues in the future, you need to remain the expert. So just as you're the expert in gemological knowledge or product knowledge, you need to broaden your knowledge to learn more about sustainability. And truly one of the best ways is through the RJC, incredible amount of, of information available for the membership and for the industry at large. 
and truly to try and get an understanding of the UN Sustainability Development Goals. One of the first steps I would suggest would be to examine the 17 goals to transform transform our world and identify which of those goals you and your company identify with. Which of these goals can truly impact through your business and therefore help to change the world? Well, I am so happy that you're such an SDG ambassador now too. Uh, and I can invite everybody who will be listening to this podcast that on the RGC website, we have webinars, indeed, how you can take those steps, like you rightly say, Suzanne, looking at, you know, materiality, what is relevant on the SDGs for your business. Um, and I think that brings me a little bit, you know, to today and the future. Um, COVID-19 has hit the world hard. And we know that also due to covid that we are uh, behind with the 17 Sustainable Development Goals and that all industries have faced uh, a lot of challenges. And I'm really interested to know from you, what challenges um, are you facing today, Suzanne, and especially in a post-pandemic world, how do you mitigate these challenges? You know, I think the pandemic obviously brought about a two years of a very unsettled world. And I think um, it's caused people to really take a lot of time to analyze their lives, all aspects of their lives. And I think one of the biggest challenges is the fundamental shift in the labor force. And probably our greatest challenge at this time is finding incredible talent with the right skills to enable us to fulfill our, our future strategy with the right people in these important roles. So hiring great talent is challenging right now as many companies are seeking the same expertise, whether it's in the technology field, IT, cybersecurity, um, as well as in the sustainability arena. Um, so finding good people right now, and I think there are a tremendous amount of people truly changing their professional careers at this time. Another challenge is just the rapid rate of change. I think that COVID um, and the pandemic brought about, not that this wasn't going to happen, but this extraordinary acceleration of everything. It seems that the future is just coming at us so much faster right now. And that requires greater agility and faster decision-making. And I think that's a fundamental shift for many companies as we continue to move forward. But truly, I think that most of the challenges are truly, we see as great opportunities. And we believe that our best days are still ahead of us as we embrace our digital transformation, as we embark on innovation and research projects that underpin all that we do at GIA and drive positive changes in the industry. And I think throughout the industry, we've seen those that are really succeeding and retail is on fire right now are those that did embrace online um, platforms that are able to sell in a way um, that perhaps they hadn't anticipated they would need to be doing at the volume they are today. And I think we're seeing a tremendous success and rebound in our industry that I think none of us truly could have predicted. Well, Suzanne, you know, from the RGC perspective, and, and we talked about that uh, a few months ago, is we also have seen a tremendous growth and we didn't know what was going to happen. And we were very curious if people would step away from the sustainability agenda. But I think there's definitely a movement happening where everybody understands that responsible business is indeed resilient business. And that requires leaders like you uh, indeed to take it to the next level. 
So looking at the future, so you say the future is bright and beautiful. What are you the most excited about, uh, Suzanne, for the future of the industry we so deeply love? So one of the things I'll tell you is that I'm an eternal optimist. I believe you wake up every morning with a choice as to how your day is going to go. And I wake up choosing to be so grateful uh, and with a grateful gratitude attitude start my day. Um, But our industry is so fortunate as we help consumers celebrate the milestones of their lives. And it's imperative that we offer to consumers products that have been responsibly sourced. So I think it's very important that everyone along the supply chain benefit in a positive way and that communities are able to thrive because of their natural resources. I truly hope we can join hands and work together for the best of the world as well as the best of our industry by transforming our supply chains um, to be sustainable and more importantly, more transparent. The industry has historically been very opaque. But today's consumers want total transparency and an understanding of what's happened along the journey as their purchases have been brought to market. And I think this is a huge opportunity for the industry to really and truly look internally and make the choice to be far more transparent. We've got such a great story to tell consumers about the gems, about the metals, the design, the manufacturing. And I think it's important to highlight those attributes through storytelling and help to dispel some of the negative perceptions that sometimes are around our trade. I do believe the future is so bright for those who embrace this journey. So I think collectively we can bring about the change we wish to see and transform our industry to one of which we are extremely proud. So we have a lot of work to do. Some of it's going to be very difficult. But by collaborating and partnering together, I truly believe we can get it done. So fortunately, with strong leadership in the trade and with the RJC laying the foundation for everyone, we can continue to build upon these tenants and ensure a strong and successful future for the industry. I think most importantly, be the change you want to see in this world. Thank you, Suzanne. You could not have said it better. Uh, indeed, Mahatma Gandhi, and uh, and we invite everyone in this journey uh, of our global jewelry and watch industry to really accelerate the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And let's collectively leave no one behind. Suzanne, it has been a pleasure speaking to you today. I'm looking forward to uh, having much more uh, in-depth discussions on the on the really on the topics that we deeply care about. Thank you again. Thank you. It's been a privilege and an honor to be with you. Thanks.